the longest road is from your head to your heart. And boy, oh boy, have I have I seen that before I was in this world, and I definitely am very aware of it now. And and that is a practice that I personally would like to master. Because I'll tell you, I've had I've had a lot of money in the bank, and I was drinking like a fish. So it ain't the money, right? And I've had all the freedom in the world, and I felt lost and 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 alone. Yeah. So there's something about the the human psyche and, and for me this is really huge like that we that we have this power to get to a beautiful state no matter what i mean guys i'm like i hate admitting it but i am really really human i can wake up with untreated alcoholism you know i can wake up still say my prayers making me and still be like why though why do i want to kill somebody do you know what I mean? Like, what is this feeling inside of me? Or why am I sad? Why do I want to cry? Everybody's okay. You know, what is this coming up? The idea that it's, it's about what we're thinking and what we focus on and that we have control over that, that's been huge. Huge. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving in Recovery podcast, where we are dedicated to sharing stories of recovered and thriving individuals to empower others on their own path. To recovery. I am your host, Justin Harris. My co-host is Bryce Gibbons. Our guest today is Adam Jablin. He is an author, coach, and speaker who is helping others on their road to recovery. Adam joins us today to tell us about his experience with recovery from being bullied in his youth to becoming a popular kid. Adam found that the substances he leaned on to stop his insecure, quote-unquote, little voice were great until one day they didn't. Now Adam helps others ignite the fire and inner hero within to align with their motives and work towards a better life. Let's dive right into today's show to learn what tools Adam uses to find anchors in your life and how to build daily consistency. Adam Jablin, my man, I've been looking forward to this day for, I think since we met at Date With Destiny last year, even though we didn't start recording these podcasts till a couple of months ago, I remember clear as day, Emily coming up to me, I showed up, I think way early and you guys were there and, but I was on the phone. So I'm like, Hey, I'm on the phone. I think with Shana. And then I came up and found you guys a little bit later. And man, it's been a, a, a it's been great to get to know you over the last year or so. Uh, we've certainly shared some, some good times together and, and, uh, I've man, welcome to the show. Justin Bryce. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, I adore you both, Justin, your, uh, your heart is bigger than you, which is saying a lot. Uh, Bryce, you know, we only got to spend a little time together in that time. There was that connection, that sober brother bond, uh, that, you know, us guys are fortunate to have. So I'm, I'm really privileged to be with you guys right now. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Likewise. Yeah. And you've certainly shared a little bit of your story, uh, your addiction story, um, with me over the, the, the year or so we've been knowing each other. I would love for you to, to, to spend five or 10 minutes just walking us through that journey and, and then we can get yeah. into it. The good stuff you uh, that is Adam Jablin today. Sure, sure, sure. Of course. So, um, you know, it, it's funny when I look back on it real fast, but I'll try to I'll try to really summarize it. Um, first off, there's alcoholism in my family. There's alcoholism and addiction in my family. I do believe that there's a hereditary component that people should be aware of. Not that everybody uh, that comes from that kind of family is going to become one. I don't believe that at all. But I think it's it's something to be aware of. And 
Uh, look, I was born in 76, kind of raised in the 80s, and it was it was glam, and it was everything was big, and it was Stallone, and it was Arnold, and it was bands with big hair, and it was more is better, and practice, 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 and you know, some of the terms that we use today, like, oh, take care of the body, recover, blah, 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 ice baths, like the, us in the 80s would have laughed at us today, because it was just grind, grind grind and i was uh growing up in jersey i was the heavy kid i was the fat kid uh at the time there was a movie called the goonies and and this kid would go do the chunk shuffle and all my friends would ask me to do it and my dad even called me el chubbo and you know look it what that did was it, it left a scar and it made me very extroverted and the idea was I want to make people laugh with me rather than laughing at me because when you're the brunt of the joke over and over and over, no matter how much you smile, no matter how much charisma you have, it hurts. It really hurts. Uh, a very trying to, the details don't really matter in this podcast, but one day I'll share it with you guys at around 10, 11 years old. We moved to Boca Raton, Florida, where you could have your shirt off every day and be on the beach and surf and swim and i hated it and i would wear a t-shirt in the pool and it would stick to my fat and i just hated it i was hot and sweating and i missed my boys in jersey and i just hated it um but i remember i wanted to change really really badly i wanted i just wanted to look different i knew if i could change the outsides everything would be different and my mom started buying me flex magazine muscle and fitness magazine and Arnold Schwarzenegger's Encyclopedia Bodybuilding, uh, a bench set with, you know, beater weights. And I, but I started working out and, and I really didn't, it wasn't the way things are today with CrossFit and all we know about nutrition and keto and paleo, but I just did the basics. And I, you know, I was eating grilled chicken and an apple rather than uh, a six piece chicken, uh, McChicken, you know, nuggets and a soda and fries. And in four short years, I went from being the fattest kid in the class to the best built kid in the class. I went from people going, hey, Adam, how many Oreos did you eat last night? To, yo, man, how much can you bench press? The girls that used to tease me about my sweat liked me. Everything on the outside changed, right? Everything except me. Inside, I was still that class clown, extroverted, charismatic, please, you know, don't tease me. But with the muscles and with the skills of, of being able to control my body, I was able to play sports and athletics and do things with the older kids. And I can't really explain this, and hopefully I can bring someone down memory lane, but when you're younger, middle school and high school, there's something about older kids that, when I grew up, were just cool. They were like gods, and they had more freedom, and... They had done things sexually more and they had tried things more and they knew the cooler music and these guys just loved me and they were playing with alcohol and drugs. And all I can tell you was I took my first Coors Light up or whatever it was and it fixed something inside of me that I did not know was broken. I had no idea it was broken, no clue. And I drank and man... Everything I thought the muscles and the outside would do, it, it, it came with that. You know what I mean? And now my when I drank my, and, and played with other stuff, my insides matched my outsides. I wasn't the 
super fat kid. Uh, look at me. Hey, you know what I mean? Like, I'll make you look. Now it was like, yo. Now I was this. I, hey, you want to party? Come with the kid. Yo, you want to know it? I was the first one with a fake driver's license. It was from Iowa. It was terrible. But it worked down here in South Florida. I, I, I was always sweet, but the confidence would come out with the drinking and the drugs. Uh, I went to Arizona State University because it was the number one party school in Playboy and Penthouse Magazine, which it fucking was. And I dominated there. And it was sex, drugs, <laughs> and rock and roll. And I went from, you know, oh, we did a little pot to try ecstasy and acid and peyote and cocaine. And, you know, and it was just more was better. And then those years went really fast. And then it was going into my family business and work hard, play hard. And I was had to be the first one there and the last one to leave. But my family, we worked hard and played hard. And before I knew it, guys, uh, it just slowly stopped working. And uh, I got married and I had a kid. And I just remember like yesterday, whatever that feeling was. When I say alcohol and drugs stop working, let me try to explain it so it doesn't sound like, like I was immune to it. I could drink and I could take drugs and you could physically see it. I, you know, mumbling, stumbling, drooling, eyes rolling in the back of my head. But that little voice, that little insecure voice that used to go away, right? And Superman would come out, he wouldn't leave. Look at you. Adults don't act like this. You're a father now. You're never going to be as good as your father. You have to run an empire. Look at you. Look at this guy. Look what this guy's driving. And no matter how I couldn't shut it up, it was torture. I walked into an intervention one day uh, with, you know, I, did, I kind of skipped some of the details of how I got there, but just trust me, it was. It was arguments and it was fighting and it was letters that I'll stop drinking and I'll change my ways. And, um, and when I went, when I surrendered and went to rehab, I was given a whole new life. Wow. That was a lot. Sorry. And there's a lot to unpack there for sure. Yeah, I would I like to, to start with that. I try to condense it, but that's, that's the story, you know? I would that's love to start. Story. That's the drinking story. Yes, for sure. I would love yeah. to start with the Superman part of the story. It's on your chest there. It's part of your logo. It's on the wall behind you. You pointed at it a couple of times. I think I think you have a tattoo, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. on your shoulder. Yeah. I think you showed that to me the very first the very first day we met in that tent. So I'd love to love to know what the significance of and you alluded to it a little bit uh, in your story there, but what the significance is of Superman in your life. So when I was, the day I came out, literally May 19th, 1976, my mom had me in a Superman shirt. I didn't know that this thing was going to stay or keep, none of that stuff. None of us did. And I always identified with this larger than life hero, and I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to to help people and save people, but I wanted the muscles, and I wanted the, I wanted to look a certain way and present myself a certain way and act a certain way. Um... But one of the things that really came out with my recovery, especially, is when my father told me, you know, and my dad and I had a, a very interesting relationship. But when he, when he 
he really saw all the work I was doing in recovery. He said, you know, you always thought Superman was about, you know, the muscles and looking a certain way and being a certain way. But he, he looked at me and goes, you know what Superman does? And I was like, you know, what? Because I was, just was into the conversation. He goes, Superman saves lives. And, you know, Superman has kryptonite and I have alcoholic drugs. And, and you want to, you put Lois Lane here and a bomb in Metropolis. And, and Superman's biggest weakness is you can't be two places at once. And I have found that in my own life, that sometimes I want to be everywhere and do everything for everyone. And sometimes you have to make the hard decisions and, and go for it, whatever that means. You know, you're going to have to save your love. You're going to have to save Metropolis. You're going to have to stay away from kryptonite. You're, but, uh, but the main thing is to save lives or help save lives every day with God's help. And um, so the, I, you know, that's what being a hero really means to me. Sounds like Superman saved your life. Um, Amen. Um, drugs and alcohol, for sure, if he was on your shoulder and would, wouldn't leave you alone when you started yeah. to, to partake. So, Amen, bro. Amen. Good for you and good, good, good for him. I certainly relate to being a fat kid. I grew up a fat kid. Uh, I swimming in the lake with the t-shirt on because I was embarrassed, but sticking to the fat like made you stand out even more. I went a different direction than you did, though. You became extroverted and wanted people to laugh with you instead of at you. I tried to hide. And as you know, I'm six, eight, I can't fucking hide. Like, so I I would hide, hide, hide. And so how, as a kid, did you figure out how to eat the right way and to, to get yourself into shape? Man, you, I remember you came up to me on the treadmill when we were in Mexico and you like did the flex thing and veins popping out everywhere. I'm like, damn, look at this guy. Uh, After you had worked out, it was pretty cool. It was my yeah, but it was also my way of like laying, you know, I was I was trying to be silly and, and you oh, know, yeah. do, the old, yeah. do the old Arnold poses and stuff. Um, but really it was my way of being like, dude, we're in Mexico together, you know? Yeah. Uh because honestly, this whole thing is a gift to me. This whole thing is a is a ride. Uh, you know, here in uh Bryce opening a place in Costa Rica, like like these are the conversations I always wanted to have. I I, I can't believe that we we hung in Mexico together and we've been in the Bahamas. like this 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 is a dream come true. And, you know, it's a, it's a really great question, Justin. It was just this, it, it, it came this one night and I was eight or nine years old. Um, and, I'm, you know, my dad was like my hero, but he was a hard, tough cowboy. And by the way, when I say cowboy, some people now think that's an adjective, right? Like, oh, like, no, he's a, a cowboy. Like he rides horses, rode the rodeo. Bronco and uh, so what's the other one? The bull and the Bronco. You know, he, 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 my dad's a cowboy. And I'll never forget when I was nine years old and he asked me to stay up late with him, which you know, these memories stay with you. And and Rocky Three was on. And so that was the one against Mr. T. And, and uh, I just remember looking at Stallone being like, you know, if I could look like that, all my problems would go away. You know, and so this this nine year old, this nine year old made a decision that stayed with me my entire life. Now, the silly thing is, is that it didn't make all my problems go, but it did help me outline a life of of health and wellness that has served me. Um, But I can say also that at a certain time, it was my biggest mask. 
you know, it was the body and the fitness was my way of saying like, well, if I'm able to do this, I don't have a problem, you know? So it's interesting how it can work both ways. And the immortal words of Master Shifu on Kung Fu Panda, one often meets his destiny on the road he takes to avoid it. And like you took the road of, I'm going to get myself in really good shape and it'll fix me. And it, it did the opposite. It sounds like for yeah. a period of time. It did the, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting, right? So it's, you know, it's like when I, I was, you know, you, you learn all these, I say you, I, you know, I should really, it's really healthy to say I statements, but we're in a recovery show together. And, you know, I remember being taught that, let's say, let's use Emily real fast, right? Uh, buying, if I buy flowers because I'm really, really thinking of her and I love her, or I'm buying flowers because I want to get laid tonight. You know, the motives are two really, really different things, but the action looks the same. And it's the same thing with the body. You know, uh, if I use the body for a healthy vessel to keep my mind, body, and spirit clean, it's, it's wonderful. But if I use it to gain attention and shield myself, and you know, then, then, it's, then it's not a healthy thing. So it's really about being in tune. You know, the good news about the flowers is if you buy them because you're thinking about her, chances are you can get the other thing too. So it's <laughs> being a, a, a double win. So the, the, the thread that ties the three of us together is Tony Robbins. And um, I would love to know how you got in the Tony's world and why you stick around, why you're showing up at all the events and, and, and doing, doing that work. So to say I didn't hear of Tony Robbins, would be like, I didn't hear of Michael Jordan or I, I don't know who the president of the United States is. But I was not a Tony guy, okay? I was, um, and Emily introduced me to this world. And I went to UPW uh, a year ago. It was my very first event. And I was in Tony's pod and I was with all the celebrities. And, you know, it was very cool because I knew a few. And... And, but I was, listen, guys, I, I, it's healthy to know your personality and who you are. And so it's healthy for me to be honest and let you know, like, I came in wanting to rip it apart. I came in wanting to be like, what a bunch of bullshit. You know what I mean? Put me in my 12-step meetings. Put me around normal people. Give me my three-minute chair and a cup of coffee. I'm good. And uh, I went in, and the energy was just contained. And the people were hot and the eyes were open. And when Tony came on, I kid you not, within the first two hours, he had a picture of Superman up there saying that if you stand a certain way, it will raise your testosterone. And he started talking about Michael Jordan. And I'm this fucking giant knows I'm in the audience. He <laughs> designed this whole thing around me. Now, obviously, that's so not true, right? But it, it, I was just so aligned with everything he said. And uh, for anyone listening, you know, today, you know, many of us have gotten clean and sober through a 12-step a, a process. And in that, you, you do a, a really thorough inventory and, and you, a really thorough inventory. And then you share it with somebody and also in God's presence, right? And, well, you know, Tony had this thing called the Dickens process where he goes like even deeper, right? And I'm sitting there going, this guy, this phenomenon of a guy 
is speaking my language. And each day got better and better and better. Um, and it, it humbled me because I was like, I now understand. You know, it's like watching Michael Jordan play for the first time and not wanting to like him. Or watching Tom Brady and going, oh, okay, let's see what the hype's all about. And you're like, shit. You know, like, like he delivered. He delivered. And I was humbled because that part of me that didn't want to like him fell in love with him. And I became even more open and teachable. And I, I really think that that community that we're all a part of is, is just a blessing. Yeah, it is for sure. Would you, you join the plat at, at UPW? That's a whole story in itself. You know, I knew this guy who was a lion and, you know, he asked me to become a plat and brought me in the back with Scotty, you know, Sage's brother. And I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. I mean, this is a different language. So a lot of times people will come into recovery and we have steps and we have chips. And, you know, I remember the first time I said to my ex-wife, like, I have like a resentment against you. You know, and she was like, who talks like this? Like, are you angry? <laughs> you know what I mean? Are you angry? Just say you're angry. Like, I have a resentment, right? Well, Tony's world was the same way. Like, I had no idea what the hell they were talking about. Like, we want you to join Platts. You may as well said, like, I'd like you to have a bottle of water. I have no idea what they're talking about. I said, like, yeah, sure. And, you know, I'm like, sign me up. And all of a sudden, I see the bill, and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> 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 I was like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, joke, right and and my buddy but he bet on it right and he goes listen and, and by the way at that time i am finalizing my divorce you know look i had been separated i'm finalizing my divorce anyone that hasn't been through that process trust me funds go a certain way i just bought my daughter a car i'm financially responsible but the bill was not small right and um my buddy looks at me and he goes like listen if you don't make your money back and then some, I'll pay for this. And he put me on the spot, you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm looking, right? And I was like, all right, this is one of those moments. You know what I mean? Because I do feel that there's something here to learn from. Well, needless to say, you know, there's something about really stretching ourselves. And within three weeks of signing that, I got my number, my, one of my number one clients Paid for the whole thing, and right. So there was something about when you, when you put yourself out there, and you stick your neck out, and you show God and the universe you're ready. It, you have to believe because it will come back. But I'll be honest with you, it was 24 hours after. I was like, "What the hell did I just do?" Well, I think there's a lot of people that that don't. The value is definitely there. Um, I mean, I'm getting ready to, to sign up for a third year, right? The value is definitely there. But what I see, and there's way more first-year people than there are multi-year people inside the program. So there's a lot of people that do come and go. And that doesn't mean they didn't get value, but Adam, I see you showing up. I see you showing up early. I see you sitting in the front row. I see you asking questions. I see you being at all the things. Like You're definitely applying yourself and extracting all of the goodness that is the Tony world. And a lot of people don't. They show up. You know, I, I'm, I use the bathroom a lot because I drink a lot of water, and I'm always amazed at how many people are out having conversations out in the hallway while like there's fucking gold being delivered in the yeah. room. And like you show up and like you're putting in the work and you're making sure that you're getting the value out of, out of the, the platinum partnership program. So that's oh, awesome. That, that. I love it. You know, I love you, Bryce. I'm, uh, you know, I love you, buddy, but, but I love, I love learning. Um, you know, Tony and Sage have pulled me aside now 
several times and had had private conversations with me. And I, you know, I didn't, I'll be honest with you, you know, I really don't get starstruck. Um, in my line of work and in my neck of the woods, you know, you, you, you have to be very comfortable in your own skin and work with people that, you know, are very big on television and, and, and movie screens and on fields and on courts. But there was something about their attention, just, you know, their actually their attention on me that made me feel really, really like, I guess starstruck would be the answer. Like, I felt really like, wow. And so they, they, they definitely have an energy that I would like to um, harness, you know, and, and, and uh, they have a wisdom. There's no, they, you know, it's, it's an older, wiser wisdom um, that I, I really enjoy learning from. I think it's even more than attention. I would, I, I would say presence. Like they just have this overwhelming presence um, that's in, in front of them. I, if you're open to it now. So um, for the listeners, Adam is the one that introduced us to John Egan, who is going to be our lead off show. Actually, it should come out any day. Now I'll let you and John and everybody know when that drops, like that's going to happen yeah. any, any, any day. Now we're just waiting on one more piece. Boom. Sue John hits. Go live and we are, we are alive. So. Yeah, I was blown away by the conversation with him. Yeah, yeah. He, he was unwilling to talk about what he does professionally, which I respect that when I asked him that, he's like, hey, that's a no-fly zone. Or I mean, those are my words, but that's basically what he had said. If you're open to it, I would love for you to talk about what you do professionally um, because I think it ties right into this. And so did his. And so if if that's not something you want to talk about, I'm totally cool with it. But if you are, I would love to... I would love to talk about it. Thank you for asking. I, you know, look, I, I respect everybody's house and everybody's point of view. Um, but so I'd like to back up real fast before I tell people what I do. You know, I, I one of the things I had mentioned before was I went into uh, my family business and, and something that I always try to stay humble about but I think it will actually help the audiences. We were the number one lace manufacturer in the world. So Victoria's Secret, Hanky, like we were high fashion. And my dad and my grandfather were literally the Joe Montana and Tom Brady of uh, running this family business. And within my own recovery and my own sobriety, I knew I could not live up to those two huge, huge shadows. But what I became was Phil Jackson. I wasn't even a quarterback. It was a different sport. I, I was a coach that really saw how to bring our company up in a way where I knew when to call a timeout. I knew when to keep my players on the court. I, I knew how to run things from a spiritual Zen-like way. Um, and it was all because of, the, of my recovery. So it let me become my own man. And one of the reasons I say that was it helped me not just running one of the most successful businesses ever, but it helped me in how I help people in my fellowship. And that started bleeding to helping people here and helping people there. And then when it was time for us to sell the family business, the next logical step was to do this in a professional way. I'm going to use a word that I'm so sick of hearing because everybody and their mother is one, but I am a coach. I'm a coach. Like, 95% of the population now. But I really focus on um, true recovery mentorship, really igniting people's hero from within, 
and I just love what I, I just love what I do. I wish there was a different title to it, but I, I work with groups. I work with companies. I work one-on-one with some high-end celebrities and, you know, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, um, Rock Nation. You know, I, I work with some, some pretty influential people and you know, believe it or not, a lot of them, uh, or I should say 50% of them, aren't ever really true alcoholics or addicts, but they have a really, really unhealthy dependency. And that was even something, guys, for me to grow into because I was so married to my recovery, I saw things very black and white, very black and white. But guess what? There are people that would like to stop taking Ambien but can have two glasses of wine. I didn't know that. There are people that would really like to stop taking the pain pills from the three knee constructions, but actually literally can have one cognac and a cigar and it doesn't turn on the phenomenon of craving. So I had to learn and grow and realize that I could help people in all facets. It's not, it's not always, you know, all in mentality. You have to stop everything. You have to become like me. And I, I help people with addictions, unhealthy dependencies, substance abuse, and really fear, insecurity, doubt, uh, and, and their own physical health. Yeah. We were talking before the show about, um, people in recovery get to live a great life. And, and I had made the comment that it's, uh, it's, and this is just my hallucination is it's because they're forced to do the work to get through the addiction, to actually get to recovery. There's lots of roads, but they all require the work whatever that is for that person. And it's hard and it's, it's, you gotta be, you gotta feel the things you gotta, you gotta deal with the emotions. You gotta deal with the childhood trauma that, that I don't know that anybody gets away from in this world. And that's what allows them to be who they really are and to really thrive in the other side of this. So um, is all the work you do, is it all centered around recovery? No. Well, it's, it's a great blanket that I have, you know, it's a great umbrella, but Really, that umbrella is even under a bigger umbrella, which is is igniting it's it's igniting people's fire and hero to to truly live, you know, to truly, truly live. So, and I was doing that before Tony. I see. I thought that was all called personal development, and what I did was like a firecracker, you know. Actually, just you may have been there when. Um, I raised my hand at spirituality in Mexico, and I said, like, I you know. I love breaking people free. And Tony was like, whoa, you know, like, take, it, take it easy, guy. You know what I mean? And they pulled me aside after that. And they were like, you know, you have a, a remarkable ability, but try to, try to be a little more loving about it and a little, uh, a little more sweet about it. Because I, you know, sometimes I see somebody, I know where to break, where, where I could break them open to, to really live. But that doesn't mean that my way is right. You know? And... So I guess I am somebody that I didn't want to admit it, but is in personal development. What does yeah. true living mean to you? How do you define true living? So it's a great question. Uh, I don't even know if I've ever really been asked that, but I would say, let me see if I can find the words here. So true living would be not just freedom from, from, let's say whatever is, is bringing us down for me, obviously it would be alcohol and, and substances, but it'd be freedom mentally, spiritually, 
physically, emotionally, and financially. So um, that would be really living. So mentally, I can still get anxiety like anybody else. I can still want to be addicted to accomplishments. I, I need this post to be good. I need this next speaking event to be right. So if I could be free of that and just live in my heart, then that's a, a wonderful place to be emotionally. Look, hey, you know, I have children and I'm in love. And, and you know, sometimes somebody says something and you don't like it and it stirs something up or you disagree with it. So to be able to be free of, of what I feel is right or having my voice heard, to be free of that spiritually, hey, to be open that, hey, you know, there's some truth in Catholicism and there's some truth in Judaism and there's some truth in Hinduism and there's some truth in Eckhart Tolle and there's some truth in Russell Brand and there's some truth in Jackass and there's some truth, you know what I mean? And so to be open, to be free spiritually and to be, so we got mentally, to be free financially, to everybody that's different. It doesn't have to be a certain amount in the bank, but to be able to do what you want to do at times that you'd like to do, right? Freedom. You know, it doesn't mean you can afford anything and do whatever you want, whenever you want, anytime. Like, that's a whole other level. I, I love people that can do that. And I, I think that's really living, to, to be free, to truly, truly, truly be free. Doesn't mean free from love. I mean, I don't want freedom to a point that I don't want to be with Emily. Like, oh, I'm a, I, I need to get laid every two seconds with a different woman. That's not freedom. That's immaturity, you know? But to really, really be free, I think, is living. Mm. I love that. Thanks. What have you, what have you experienced with going back on Tony? Um, what do you think has been like the most impactful? You said, I, I didn't realize that you had only been part of um, Tony's like sphere for the last year or so. Like what has been the most impactful thing for you that he's taught you as a, as a coach yourself? Ooh, that's really good. That's a great question. For me personally, mm -hmm. so it's, it's this idea. Uh, I'll use his words and then I'll try to use Adam words so I don't sound like I'm plagiarizing Tony, right? But it's this idea, it's this philosophy that you can get to a beautiful state within you no matter what, anytime you want to by what you focus on. I am driven to a point that it, it, it could be a curse. And when you're driven like that, maybe to prove something, to feel significant, to, to feel like you're worth it. You know, you had a father and a grandfather that were larger than life. You, you had to run, you just, you, you feel like you're, I, I saw, I was in the, like I told you, a kid from the eighties, I saw life as a competition, right? And to, and, and when you're wired like that, you can get tight. You know, you can get tight. You can get like, everything's, everything's, a, and, and I don't like that within myself, right? But it's been trained. So to untrain that and to say, I can get to a beautiful state and I can get, right? He says, um, the longest road is from your head to your heart. And boy, oh boy, have I, have I seen that before I was in this world? And I definitely am very aware of it now. And, and that is a practice that I personally would like to master. Because I'll tell you, I've had, I've had a lot of money in the bank. And I was drinking like a fish. So it ain't the money, right? And I've had all the freedom in the world. And I felt lost 
and 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 alone. Yeah. So th- there's something about the the human psyche, and, and for me, this is really huge. Like that we that we have this power to get to a beautiful state, no matter what. I mean, because I'm like I hate admitting it, but I am really really human. I can wake up with untreated alcoholism. You know, I can wake up, still say my prayers, making me, and still be like, why though? Why do I want to kill somebody? Do you know what I mean? Like, what is this feeling inside of me? Or why am I sad? Why do I want to cry? Everybody's okay. You know, what is this coming up? The idea that it's, it's about what we're thinking and what we focus on and that we have control over that, that's been huge. Huge. That's profound. He's like- trained himself supposedly. So I got to be close with his trainer, Billy Beck. I love Billy. This guy, that guy's got my, we have like similar energy, right? Like I, I get him and he gets yeah. me. So we shoot the shit. And, and he said he's seen Tony train himself. Like Tony will sit there for like 30, 45 seconds cursing like a, like a maniac. But like you script and then get back, right? And I'm like, he, I'm like, so I asked him, like, he really does. He's like, dude, he really does it. Right. I, rather than having a temper tantrum, I will just get a little quiet, get a little moody, be in bad mood for two or three hours until I work out. Then I have a great workout. I start feeling better. And I, it took me five hours. Now, now compared to most people, I'm sure that's phenomenal. This guy's got it down to 30 seconds to a minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? What a waste of time I'm doing. So, I mean, if I can get it down to an hour, I'd be happy. That's self-awareness that's biggest, for me. That's the biggest thing for sure. 100%. I love that. So to, to piggyback on that, what are you focusing on right now with where you're at in your life? Uh, well, that's a great question. I'm really in life in general or my career. I guess both do life in general and then just, um, yeah, I mean, do your career and then, and then life in general, cause you're yeah. obviously thriving and fucking crushing it so i think they're they're correlated but maybe both of them okay uh so in my career uh i really want to help as many people uh the three of us are aligned right like not everyone's in our wheelhouse so i really want to help as many people as i can and and open that up to whatever that looks like so i'm doing some now some group coaching doing um some more uh talks where it's not like getting on stage and then lighting somebody on fire it's more like doing it 30, uh, if anyone's ever been in the room, just doing a 20, 30 minute talk to people and then allowing everybody to really be a part of it, you know, really mm-hmm. heal together. Um, and, and just taking the, my message and what I stand for to a, a, a larger platform, not for the significance of it, but for the effects that I see with my clients, for the effects of helping them. And then uh, in my life, since this is kind of a Tony conversation, really starting to lean into more uncertainty because I love certainty. I like knowing where my next meal is. I like knowing where the gym is. I like knowing what's on my calendar. I like knowing what's in the bank. I like knowing where my kids are. I like knowing when Emily and I are going to hang out. I like knowing when I'm going to see the new uh, Marvel movie. I like certainty. I like structure. And to start leaning into that got me this far, but it's not going to take me to that that next level. So living in a place of uncertainty, that's, that's where I, I have to be for growth. 
I have to. It's how really- do you do that? How, how are you doing that? Like, how are you finding uncertainty? How are you putting yourself in those situations? It's super uncomfortable, man. It's super uncomfortable. I'll give you an example. Um, this is a good one for me. Now, to anyone else, it may sound like, what's the big deal? But if you know how I'm wired, it, you'll, it'll make sense. Someone can relate. I'll, I'll relate. Oh, right. Okay. So here we go. So uh, when I was a kid, one of my favorite bodybuilders of all time was named Lee LeBron, right? Lee LeBron and Sean Ray, these two guys, they had these beautiful symmetrical physiques. And they would lose to guys like Lee Haney and Dorian Yates, these guys that were mass monsters. But these guys were like, and I am going on November 30th to go train with my, I hang out. He loved me. I loved him and train with my idol at the lean body uh, warehouse and gym where he, now his son Hunter LeBron is a new IFBB pro and the phenomenon. And I'm going to go hang out with this guy that when I was a kid was like an idol, right? And, and this idea that I'm going to fly in on the November 30th, fly from Houston back you know, I, I don't own a plane. I'm not there yet, right? So, you know, from November 30th, go, fly in, come back, uh, train with my idol, have dinner, fly back, see my kids, and then go to date with Destiny for five days. And then somehow within that, juggle all my clients, all my responsibilities, my my personal meetings, my exercise. I don't like that. I don't like it at all. It's... It feels it, to me. There's this feeling of it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. You know what I mean? I like things being calculated, symmetrical. I'll do this this week. I'll do that this week. I'll do, you know what I mean? And I could have my own rhythm and my so pumping as much life in is where I get that uncertainty feeling. How are you going to manage it? Just go. That's that's probably the second thing that I learned this year from from the big guy. You just. You just do it, you know? It's so cliche, right? That sounds like a Nike commercial. But you you literally just, you don't, you stay out of your head and get into your heart, right? I don't want to meet date with Destiny. First off, I live, let's, since it's Tony world, we're talking about, and you guys are different than me in this. Let, let me, let me use this as an example, right? So we can't, I can't have excuses. I live 30 minutes from where he's going to have it, right? So, how am I going it, to, it, it's all doable. Will I be exhausted? Yep. Will I, will I be a little afraid? Yep. You know, well, I want to make sure I see my kids and make sure, yep. But that's the uncertainty. Because really it's all uncertainty, right? Like what, what if the plane doesn't leave that day to go to Houston and meet me, right? It's all uncertain. You know, what if I, I was so looking forward to this podcast, but what if my Zoom went down or my computer didn't start? So I, I have to, because I'm such a certainty junkie that um, this is, this is you know, I'm, I'm being really, 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 I'm ripping myself open here. You know, like this is not fun for me, but I have to do it. I have to do it. I think it's a testament to in tying this into recovery, like every day is kind of uncertain, right? You know, especially, you know, you'd mentioned you, you kind of have gone through the process in the rooms and done 12 step and, you know, their cliche sayings are cliche for a reason because they make a lot of sense and because they're true, but like one day at a time, right. It's like, you don't know what the fuck's going to happen tomorrow. Um, and so like living and creating a life 
that where, where you are radically accepting of the fact that uncertainty is all around you at all times, I think is super profound. And when you can apply it and lean into it and then narrow your field of focus, uh, to, to being comfortable with being uncomfortable is where me personally, in my experience, I've found the most growth. So it's cool to see that you have been focusing on that as well. I think that's badass. Yeah. I'm with you a hundred percent. I'm with you a hundred and ten percent. It's, it's super uncomfortable for me though. I'll be honest with you. It's, it's, there are times where it feels like it's a raw nerve and if you just touch it the wrong time, you know, the other guy comes out. Right. So it's, I'm really, really practicing just leaning into life. That's cool. Are you, when you're going to go do this, this workout with, uh, this bodybuilder, so is he like a client of yours or how did you like get connected with him? Like, is that just something that you reached out to him to do or what what, what was that process like? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I have, um, I have a, a a little bit of, uh, of a platform now, Bryce, you know, I, uh, the, my coaching and the hero project and my social media, it's not like, you know, Gary V or anything, you know what I mean? But it's, it's, it's evolved and it's grown and it's gotten some attention. I've been on the news and ESPN and, and, um, and I've been doing IG lives with these, these, you know, really high end influencers, you know, from Ed Milet to right. Like, these guys that are big now, but like, once I realized that these people want to come on my IG lives, I was like, well, you know, I was asking people cause they're, they're, they're influencing the world right now, but what about the people that influenced me? Mm. you know right like like what about if it's not for the views and it's not for the it's for the people that and so i reached out to lee labrata and he should he was like absolutely you know and i was i was more excited from lee labrata than anybody that i that i that i had met you know what i mean because it was like that was like you know i mean like the next person would be like stallone or something right you know like these are the people that when i was growing you know i'm 40 i'm gonna be 47 years old you know, a lot of the guys that I would mention, people don't have, have no clue. That reminds me of the, one of the key takeaways that I got at BM, which, you know, this podcast wouldn't be happening, uh, in this, in this former fashion, if it weren't for, for Tony and, and his sphere, but in particular to the last point that you were just making, like proximity is power, you know, and that was one of the biggest key takeaways that I got. And that's so cool that you've created this, um, life for yourself that now you can be within proximity to those people that helped form and shape your life. That's so it's, fucking sweet. right. It's so cool. Right. Yeah. I, listen, I'm very aware that there's a very big part of the audience that has no idea what I'm talking about. You know what I mean, but first off, bodybuilding itself is it, it's, it's still always kind of like a freak shit. Like, yeah, it's a sport in the gym, but then these monsters go on stage in a little bikini, and it, like, it's already like a subculture. And now we're talking about a subculture of the guys that I grew up with the '80s. You know what I mean? But for me, you know, it's like I'm like gonna be a kid in the candy store. Speaking of like uh, people who influenced your life, who in your recovery was like the most influential person? So in my recovery and in my life, it's the same person. Um, it's my mentor. His name is, um, and you guys can look him up. He's uh, like my spiritual father is what I call him. And he's like, and he sounds, um, this is his spiritual son. His name is Dion DiMucci. 
Uh, he's a rock and roll hall of famer named Dion. So you might have heard of his hits specifically from the 50s and 60s, like Run Around Sue, like Hey, Hey, uh, and The Wanderer. Um, but he's actually been the only artist that stayed current that's had a number one hit in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010, and 2020. Um, you know, he's Bob Dylan's idol. He's Bruce Springsteen's idol. He's, you know, he, they're making a Broadway play about my spiritual dad called The Wanderer. Right, where you get to see him uh, go from the Bronx to becoming a phenomenon, basically the Justin Timberlake of his day, and you know his battles with alcoholism and heroin, um, and, and get clean and sober. And his, the way he is, the way he treats people, the way he acts, the way he keeps God very close to him, the way he speaks about his faith, the way he speaks about his wife, the way he speaks about his daughters. Uh, the way he he treats every single person. If there was one man that I would want to emulate, it's D. It's Dion. You know, he's just uh, he's my hero. And the way uh, one of the things that I felt like a kindred spirit was with uh, Justin. You may have seen me talk to Justin to Tony about this. Was um, I had a one-on-one -on -one moment with Tony, and he really he was really sweet. Gave me like ten minutes of his time. And, and one of the things that stood out to me was how big of an influence Jim Rohn was on him. And, you know, my message, what I would want to do is, is bring Dion's teachings to me, to the world. You know, that what Dion said, I would want, but what I did not know was, and, and this is where Tony and I had a really bonding moment. And he was like, keep Dion near to your heart. He's, he, he just loved how much Dion meant to me was he said, Jim Rohn did not do that for him. And I built a whole story in my head. The amount that Tony mentions Jim Rohn, the amount of respect Tony gives Jim Rohn, I felt that maybe Jim Rohn was like a spiritual father to him, the way Dion's been to me. And Jim Rohn did not treat him that way. And it, it, it was very businesslike. And he kept Tony very arm's length. And it made me respect Tony that much more. Because he really pays homage to his teachers that honestly at that time could give a shit about him. You know, my teacher took me under his wing like a son. I don't know. I don't know if I'm as nice and humble and sweet as Tony. This guy keeps me arm's length. You know, doesn't really take me under his wing. And now I'm the guy and you want me to give him the credit? Fuck that. You know, I don't know if I have Tony's humility. So it really made me see him in a whole new light of like, this guy is the real deal. He's got a heart of gold. The amount of time that Tony spends with us coming down on stage, Jim Rohn never did that with his audience. Kept his whole audience away. Like it was a rock concert. Right? Like he does his final song, I'm out. Never shook hands, never hugged, nothing. So it really made me uh, appreciate this guy that we're getting to learn from. Because I really don't know if I would have been that. I really don't know if I would have had his sweetness and humility. He's also certainly had a, a Tony-sized impact on the world where Jim definitely had an impact on the world, but not not to the magnitude and, and level that, that Tony has by any Right, right. And and that could and be for a lot Tony, of different reasons. 
he kept Tony very arm's length. Wouldn't hug him. Wouldn't tell him how proud he is of him. None of that. Maybe that's what Tony needed. Yeah. I mean, who, who who knows? You know, who knows? Who know? Who knows what the deal is? Oh no, no. Well, hey, listen. No judgment to Jim. Sure. I just got very blessed and loved by Dion, and it makes me actually appreciate Tony that much more because I I'm being honest with you guys. What are some of the ways that that he blessed and loved you, Dion did? You know, it's a great question, Justin. I don't want to I don't want to cry, but he. You know, he took me under his wing and he, and he made me feel heard and he made me feel respected and loved. And he was able to talk about things that I always want to know about God, spirituality, recovery, but it didn't sound foo-foo. It didn't sound new age. It didn't sound, you know, Tinkerbell and, 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 and he would ask me my opinion. And he, he saw things in me that my family couldn't see, that my, that people, he saw gifts in me that I didn't know I had. He, he saw the real Adam. And, um, and he's just a treasure. You know, he's just a, he, I, I, if I can make people feel a fraction of the way Dion makes me feel, I mean, I'll, that, that'll, that'll be, that'll be my service to the world. And he, he's I can't, still, you know, I just can't explain it. He's still around today? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, hold on. Hold on. Give me one second. Give me one second. So here are his latest two albums. Here, I'm going to give my, my guy a plug. Okay. So these two albums came out in the pandemic, right? So, Dion Blues with Friends, this one has Jeff Beck, Joe Bonamassa, Bruce Springsteen, Joe Menza, Patty Scalpa, Brian Setzer, Stevie Van Zandt. The names go on and on. This one, Dion Stomping Ground, has Eric Clapton. Uh, who else we got here? Joe Again, Joe Bonamassa. We got uh, Bruce Springsteen again. We got, I mean, it's just, he's just a phenomenon. You know, and in this one, Bob Dylan wrote the liner notes for D. In this one, Pete Townsend wrote him. You know, he's he's a legend. He's a legend, you know, and this guy's, you know, he's like my dad. He's like my dad. So, yeah, there you go. Oh, thanks that's, for sharing. That's amazing. That's so cool. Um, how does thanks. one go about finding a Dion? Because there's Dion's out there, maybe not as skilled or musically talented or, you know, Hall of Fame, uh, you know, just with all the, the added stuff that you just shared. Like, how does one listening to this show who's in search of a spiritual father or a connection with somebody like that? Um, how do they get in touch with somebody like Dion? I think, well, this is how it worked for me. And, and um, you know, Bryce, just, I'm, I'm sure it worked for you similarly. But I, I really believe that it was a matter of, like, if anyone's just listening and they're not looking at you, Bryce looks like an Adonis, like Thor. And my man, Justin, is 6'8". And he's, you know, and, and like, so, but when, when you have those outside, and either A, you're humble enough to go to somebody and go, I could use 
I, I would like to, to learn from you. Or people aren't afraid of what we built on the outside. So we flip it and they don't look at, you know, your Captain America looks and your amazing size or anything that I portray. And they actually just come with an open heart and say, you know, there's something you said, there's something that I really like. It, it builds a foundation and openness. And I, I think if you could just, you know, like for me, I wasn't going to let that go. I wasn't going to let it go. So I, I just kept asking questions and I kept learning and I kept, uh, I mean, like literally, if I, if I look back on it, I follow them around like a puppy. You know, and, and it's kind of the same way that Justin was, uh, and you guys were talking about Tony, you know, I do realize that there are people outside but like I, I want to like I'm, I want to learn. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think the only reason I've had these special moments with the big guy and with Sage is that they see my like I'm like teach me Obi Wan. You know what I mean? Like please give me the force, show me what I can do here. And anytime somebody has that openness, Christ, I mean, do you agree with me? Right? Like you, you want to give it to them. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Vulnerability. That's what I'm hearing you yeah. say. Being vulnerable, you know, whether that's in a 12 step meeting or whether that's in a non 12 step, uh, you know, any sort of fellowship, like if you see somebody who has what you want, be vulnerable and go up to them and talk to them, which also kind of in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about this question. When you, when you said you had your one-on-one -on -one with Tony, I might instantly, my, my reaction was, man, what the fuck would I say to Tony? What questions would I ask to Tony, if I had a one-on-one -on -one with him, the legend that he is, all the insight and wisdom. Um, so walk me through that process. What was that like for you? Like, were you like, yeah, walk me through that. Like a one-on-one, -on -one. what did you guys talk about? What did, what, what did you ask from Tony when, when you had that time? Cause that's super well, valuable I've had time. Three. I've had three one-on-ones with him now. Cool. And what I noticed, um, I'm going to use our, I'm going to use your show as the platform, right? But it, it, it kind of comes up that if, let's say you were in a, a 12 step meeting or, or some, some form of recovery meeting, there's been a prayer, there's been a topic probably, and there's been a share. So it's your, your brain's already lit up your, your brain, right? So when it was time to talk to him, uh, one was after him talking with, uh, the owner, what's the guy that built all those things in Vegas? Steve Wynn. Steve Wynn. Steve Wynn. So one was right at, people saw it. It was very strange, Bryce, right? Because I, I, I'm really new to this world. So I didn't know if it was, I didn't know that it was not normal. Tony came off the stage and he walked right up to me and said, so what did you think? So now I'm like in his world and I'm talking to him about what I thought. And what I thought in that conversation was it, 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 I got a lot out of how much Steve Wynn's father and then Steve Wynn had a mentor, how much those two people channeled him to this great success. And I asked him who was his mentors. And then he went to Jim Rohn and the guy that taught him NLP. And I went to Dion and then we started rapping about Dion and, and I asked him about Jim Rohn and they were, couldn't have been farther apart. Now the guy that taught Tony NLP that guy was like a father to him, but he's not famous. No one knows his name. So he told me this guy was a Navy SEAL, blah, blah, blah. But none of us would know his name. And he taught Tony how to stand, how to practice NLP, how to speak, how to be a man. And, and really put me under his wing. So he's like, no, it's not the Jim Rohn stuff. 
that's the stuff that gets the audience. He's like, but the way I am, it was this guy. So I got to learn who his spiritual father was. Uh, the second time was I got pulled. He, he him and Sage uh, taught me about the way I could word things to help people. So basically language and meaning, language and meaning. And it was a lot about, it was a lot about letting go of what I think I know, right? Because it's gotten me this far. And if I want to help people on a bigger platform, I have to, I have to be open to, to being a little bit more, I, I can't believe I'm saying this because I, I swear to God, I'm a love bug. But I guess when I come to help people, I come across a little Rocky Balboa and it's like, no, no, like soften it up, man. Soften it up, loosey goosey. And I, I didn't even realize I could come across like that. Um, so that was the second conversation. And the third, what was the third? Oh, okay. Oh, and the third, okay. The third was two guys shooting the shit. And I was, and, and, and I was looking at him and I'm like, and I literally said, I'm like, man, I'm having so much fucking fun. I had a occur. And he's like, so am I. And he started talking to me very openly about how there's a lot of different seminars that we've all been to that he can't be himself. He's like, I can't be, he's like, I'm myself, but I can't be myself. I can't say the shit I want. I can't be the way I want. And I actually got to see it a little bit more than ever in spirituality, because I'll be honest with you, he, some of his jokes and some of his, I was like, Jesus, Tony, take it easy. Like he was against the, uh, and don't get me, I agree with him, but he was against whoever Joe Biden put for health and fitness and the, and the right. And it happens to be a, a, a transvestite or I don't know. Male, female, you know, and, and the person wasn't in shape. And granted, I agree with everything he was saying, but I mean, he went for the jugular. I mean, I was like, whoa, dude. Like, you know what I mean? I got to see a whole different side of him where we were all just at UPW. And I'll let you know, in front of 13,000 people, way more politically correct. You know, that's the room for Superman and Michael Jordan, right? right? It's just an easy topic. But when he's himself, wow. You know, he's got opinions like the rest of us. Yeah, he's definitely mellowed out over the last, I think it's been since he's had his daughter is is when the mellowing out started because um, he was definitely not politically correct for lots of years in front of big time audiences. And I think, uh, yeah, I think the daughter is is really calmed him down. And I love that he gets to, he gets the opportunity to be himself with the Platt family. And we get to see that because that's, yeah. that's the Tony I love. That's the people I love. I love people that are authentic and genuine and real. Yeah. And not that he's not those things in front of 13,000 people. Cause he definitely is. Oh, hundred percent. But it's, it's a different level, you know, in the smaller, more intimate rooms for sure. Yeah. Well, so that, but that was, I was trying to think of it. God, I hope it doesn't sound like he's always himself. Right. But that was the third one of, of, of two guys shooting the shit. And me understanding that there is a time and a place that he could really, really, really just like let his hair down and be himself. That's super cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said let his hair down and be himself. You've got this, this very energetic persona about you. You're very, um, you project a, a, a big, it's not the right words. I'm struggling to find the right words, but you've got a very energetic personality about yourself. You, 
you, you, you, how do you unwind? How do you, what's downtime look like for Adam? Yeah. So that energy, uh, I, I don't know if you, you may both have it in your own ways because of, you know, I Bryce that, but, and, but I know you were, you, you went quiet genes, but you're such bigger than life that you may have. So that energy, that's always there. That's the thing that I always had to calm down with alcohol and drugs. Right. So I'm not the guy always looking for how do I get more energy? I'm looking like what you just said, unwind. And um, I have to be very dedicated to my spiritual practice. So I have to meditate a minimum of 20 minutes a day. Um, I do journal, which I find extremely, extremely stress relieving. I have to exercise every day. And when I say that, it's such a different world. So let me break it down. I need to move every day. I need to move every day. I do love still bodybuilding workouts. Sometimes it's a CrossFit workout, but sometimes I just walk for five miles or sometimes I'll just swim a couple of laps in the pool, but I, I can't, I can't sit still. That's how I am. I guys, I, I'm going to admit this to you guys. I don't know if anyone listening to me. God, I, I hope someone out there is like me. I have a child's ability to suspend disbelief. So let me give you an example. I am able to go into a Marvel movie and believe Chris Hemsworth is Thor. I, I don't sit there and debate. I don't sit there and go, I wonder what his next role is. I don't sit there and I, I can go into a movie and go, at this moment, The Rock is Black Adam, right? And I know it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I know who he is, but I can suspend this. So I love the movies. I don't know what it is, but I'm able to go and literally just not be here and be there. Um, and, you know, this may sound really corny, but, you know, my time with Emily and my children are just, they're like anchors for me. You know, my kids, and I don't know how to work. My kids just show me what what life and love is all about, you know. And and Emily has has really taught me personally what having a true equal and partner is like. You know, I I had a marriage, it failed, um, or excuse me, you got a divorce. I don't even know if that's considered a failure, you know. But uh, we both came to it, and and we didn't we weren't able to grow together. We weren't able to grow together. And, um, and I, ne I never had a real true partner, like an equal. And this, this is, this is the first time I've ever had that. And it's, it's a really delicious feeling. Delicious. I didn't know delicious was a feeling, but, uh, I feel you on that for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you do for, what do you recommend for the people that you coach? And maybe this is a two-part question. So like, uh, how do you connect? with, you know, you're dealing with elite people, right? You're dealing with Titans in their industry, performers, entertainers, people who probably, uh, have larger than life egos. Um, when you're coaching somebody like that, how do you connect with them? And like, what are some of the tools, tips, tricks, rituals that you implement with somebody who seemingly might have all the answers? Well, uh, a lot of times, one of the blessings that I've had um, is that when I'm in the room, normally, normally something's up. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm looked at the guy to hopefully solve problems and not uh, debate with. Now, of course, some denial is going to come up and some some debating will happen, but I'm not looked at as the as the enemy by any means. Um, and one of the things that I I always do with every client, for me personally, is with the first session is we, we spend about two hours together minimum. And I, I use terminology that you guys will know very well, but I call it causes and conditions. And guys, I get to know my client, not my client, what number jersey the way they wear, not their stats, not what they have in the bank. I get to know everything from birthday, mom, dad, did they stay together? What was mom's name? What was dad's name? Brothers? Sisters, kindergarten, first to fifth grade. What? When did they start sports? When did they start this? When did they start that? Middle school, were they popular? Were they not popular? Girlfriend, boyfriend, did they ever try sex with the other, playing with the other side, so to speak? Or right? Uh, when was their first drink? When was their first drug? When right? High school, were they popular? What was their sport? You know, what was it like? What was their first real romantic, real love? That first love, what was it like? Boyfriend, girlfriend, what was it like? In did you go to college? What was college like? Oh, you went right to the stage, right to stardom. What was that like? What's it like supporting your mom and dad financially when you're only 18, 19, singing on stage to, okay, when did things get excessive? When did you start getting into porn? When did you start doing more drugs? When did the drinking start? When did the fame start becoming uh, a, a drug? When did, right? And we get... And we literally, by the time I'm done, they trust me and I trust them because I, I don't know the persona. I know the person. Mm. And within that, you get to see, right? Let's use the language that we all know. You get to see patterns. You get to see, oh my God, that thing that you did in first grade is the same thing that you did in fifth grade, which is the same thing you did in eighth grade, which is the same thing if you see that in junior and senior year, which is the same bullshit you pulled right in college with that girl, which is the same shit you pull with that first record contract or that, but right, at the, right. And you start seeing these themes and, and since I'm really paying attention, I'm emotionally invested. It builds a trust. And when I have those kind of clients that you're talking about, you know, this is why I don't like the word coaching. I'm really involved. Right. So it's not, here's my, here's a skill set. go, right. It is, I really see myself as a Phil Jackson or a Morpheus to Neo, which is we're texting three, four times a day, minimum, not just accountability. I'm texting them as much as they're texting me. We're staying accountable to one another because you can't go to the gym one time and get fit. And you can't eat one day healthy and clean and be right. It takes, it's a daily consistency. So we week by week, day by day, we build. And before you know it, they start, they start seeing life differently. Usually around day 14, the lights really come on and the smile comes back. Then I got to really hone in on that, right? Because that, all right, you found that. Now let's strengthen that and let go of this. And believe it or not, that's a lot harder to do than say, right? Because you found this good feeling. But now that you have this good feeling, mom is taking you away. The wife is taking you away, the kid, right? And you have to somehow find some sort of boundary and balance to all of that. Um, and that's, guys, that's really how I do it. I get really, really close and, and emotionally invested. 
and, and go to their story. Always, always, always with their story. So you connect through listening. You know, I think over, this is maybe what, 15 or 16 uh, episode that we've recorded. And I think it, it's so you see these common, right. To, to bring up the, the word patterns, right. Um, but, and these common themes and words and listening, vulnerability, connection, community, all this stuff that you're talking about now, um, is, is, you know, what we, what, what I'm finding to, to, to hear from most people is like, that's, those are the key core components, um, to significance in life um yeah so you know some people say you know the three magic words right are are like i love you mm -hmm. right or the two magic words are like thank you mm -hmm. guys steal it have it you know i hope it works especially with my new jersey nonsense going on but the thing that i've i've seen help so many people is i look at them and i say i get it those three words have helped me help so many people they look at me they're like get it i'm like i get it i get it i would imagine for for yeah. people that are in the limelight like that that are chasing something right they're chasing they're trying to fill something that 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 can't be filled with what it is they're going to get and so i would imagine for somebody to sit down and really understand the person not the persona and for for you to ask the kind of questions that you're asking and to really understand them and then for you to say, I get it, has to get right to the core of who they are because that's what they've been wanting this whole time with the football or the basketball or the entertainment. They've been wanting to get got and they're not getting it, right? They're not getting that. So they're filling it up with the drugs or the alcohol, whatever you're brought in to, to, to deal with. So, man, nice job on getting right to the core of who people are and, and then being able to say, man, I get you. I understand you. I, I, I see you. Yeah. You know, that's what they've been wanting, right? To be seen. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you. Um, no, don't get me wrong. As a kid, I would have, I would have uh, probably sold my soul for, for some of the people that I got to work with. I get to, you know, I, to me that looked like it. But then when you're in their inner world and you and, and you get to see like, okay, wait a second, you actually really feel this pressure because your parents are on the payroll. Your parents are on the payroll. You know what I mean? They're used to this lifestyle. The country club. Like, like there are so many, like, imagine if, if either of you are close to your parents at all, and if it's not your parents, then use your kid. Like, you use something. Like, they, they, they my, my clients have so many emotional, financial, just so much entanglement. So, that it's like, I have to be this person. I have to do this. And since I have to do this and I have to perform this way, and now we're saying I can't use this. And it's like, I get it. Sounds like a burden to me. Yes, very much. Very much. Very much. And you know what? You got to allow them to feel that it's a burden, to be free of it, because it's not a burden. It's a gift. It is. Absolutely. It's all the yeah. meaning, right? It's the meaning you're giving it. It's totally the meaning you're giving it. It's totally me. And sometimes hard conversations do have to be had. You know, hey, mom, uh, dad, uh, you know, the Ferrari is going to now be a regular Jeep. You know, I mean, and, and I understand. I understand these conversations are hard. You know, hey, kids, I, we, are going, we are going to fly like everybody else from now. 
And when we go to Disney World, we're going to wait in line like everybody else. Yeah, I can definitely relate. I supported my mom financially for lots of years. And before I met my wife and I felt like I got divorced from my mom. I literally felt like I got divorced from my mom because I wanted to go have a life that was more, more to have kids. And, and she just like, wait, it was me or her. I'm like, well, <laughs> you're my mom. It's her. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got a beautiful relationship now, but man, it was, it was fucking painful. It was a painful thing to go through. I can imagine. I get it. So, would that be your mantra? Like what, if you had to say that you have one mantra, I know you have, you know, spiritual practice, you do your journaling. So obviously you've thought about this kind of stuff before. Um, what's a, what's something that you repeat to yourself consistently that's helped you out to myself. Yeah. Well, that's a great question. Um, well, I'll probably be the corniest, corniest, corniest person you've had on your podcast. I, I, I think it's more, I, I actually hear, I actually hear the, the 1980s uh, Superman theme song. And when I do that, mm-hmm. it calms me down. When I hear like, dun, 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 like I, I get like, okay, all right. It's because it's I, I, the words never did it for me. You know, like I can't ever find a, a loop that I, you know what I mean? I am wealthy. I am. I mean, like, but but for some reason, when that comes on in my head, uh, and it comes on every day, I get centered. You know what I mean? So for me, it comes in. It comes in music. Because I mean, it, don't get me wrong. Like you know, I think you and I are cut from the same cloth. Like there was a time where it's like, okay, one day at a time, or it's you know, let go in with God, or you know, the Lord's prayer at a certain time, right? But but what's really always stayed is that Superman song. That's so funny. My fiance Kayla, she makes fun of me because I'll walk around the I'll walk around the house and I whistle sing. So I'm like, I have songs in my head and I'm like, (laughs) and she always just makes fun of me, busts my balls on that. So I can definitely relate to the music thing. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Um, yeah. Thank you for saying that because I felt I was like, all right, I'm gonna be really authentic this podcast and let's see how weird this. No, I love that. That's awesome. And that's what people want to hear too. Cause I think there's a lot of people in our audience who, you know, experience similar type things and they're like, you know, potentially feel like, uh, you know, they're super eccentric or eclectic and there are their outcasts. And again, it comes back down to what Justin was saying and what you guys were saying about, about validation, right. And developing that self-love, um, and, and finding validation from the inside out. Um, and that's what we do all this for, right? Like, I know you don't like the word coaching, but it's the best term for what we have, I think currently, but, um, what are some other, so do you, you coach, uh, I mean, I I don't know how to phrase this, but air quotes, normal, uh, people as well, or do you only, uh, you know, sometimes I, I bring up the, um, the high end clients because that was really what launched me. Right. So that people can find it. Right. You know, what I mean, uh, but yeah, no, no, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, and I find actually the normal more, uh, intriguing and, and more, uh, there's, there's sometimes there's more, there's, there's more juice there, you know, there's, there's more layers and there's more, there's more fun to get into. Um, but yeah, no, a hundred percent that, uh, corporations, 
uh, couples, I do couples, specifically when one of the spouses is abusing a substance. And really the goal is to keep them together because I know what it's like to have to be, look, my, my recovery saved my life and at the same time possibly destroyed my marriage. Isn't that interesting? The person that intervened me, like you have to grow together, right? You can't point at the other person and say, they're the problem. Now, all of a sudden they learn these life skills and this way of getting better and not grow with them have to grow together as a couple so i love when i get to coach couples and stay and they stay together and they grow together that's that's yeah that's some of my favorite and and i think some of my favorite because it was so painful to me you know one of the themes in my my marriage was he's broken i took him to rehab now i fix i fixed him right and all this other stuff, the steps and God and mentor. And this is like, you know, it's cute. But really what happened was he had a broken arm. I took him to the hospital and I, we fixed it, you know, because that's how some people see addiction. And it's so far from that, you know, treatment is discovery. It's when you discover what the problem, but it's not where you really recover. The recovery is after. So when, when I could take a couple and teach them, you know, treatment is to discover what the problem to discover that alcoholism addiction is a real disease, to discover your inner child trauma, to discover what's been going on, right? But the recovery is everything after the treatment, you know? And I can tell you, I, I can't tell you how many people I know that they think it's like, no, 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 he went to rehab, he's all better. Mm-hmm. He's all better. Yeah, it's the life, life after the discovery. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of speaking of that, so what is the meaning of life? Jeez. Oh, I think the meaning of life is to truly grow in the likeness of our creator. Mm. Um, day by day month by month, year by year. So, so it'll always change and, and it'll change from uh, being an adolescent, being an adult, falling in love, relationships, being a father or a mother, and being a grandmother and seeing parents die. And you know, you'll always evolve and grow and love, right? But if you can grow in the likeness of your creator, you know, which is probably um, an overall thing of what we've been trying to say. Like, I think what we've been trying to talk about is, you know, me leaning into uncertainty right now is in the likeness of our creator, right? Like that, you know, if I were creating the jungle, there'd probably be only six animals and they'd be perfect. But he made insects and stuff that I don't like and snakes and all different, right? But I would have like the lion, the elephant, <laughs> because I like certainty, you know what I mean? It would be a very boring world if I were to create. So um, I, I think that, and I really think that's the purpose. And, and then to give an overall theme to that, it would just be love. I think that's super wise. Now you're the second person. And, and we asked this question. Um, I listened to the Lex Friedman podcast 
pretty regularly because I think he asks fantastic questions and being a leader myself with several organizations. And now on this podcast, I'm really trying to get better at asking questions. Um, and he asked this question to Ben Shapiro. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, I love him. Yeah, it's great. And funny enough, he answered that same question almost verbatim of just how you did. So oh, really? Very wise. Very, very wise. Um, oh, then I'm in good company. You're in the, yeah, you're in fantastic company. Regardless of your political views, the dude. Oh, no, 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 no. I listen, Ben is as radical as you, listen, it's, you know, I've watched him. I, I, what I like about Ben is that he's so authentically himself. Exactly. He's authentic. You know? Exactly. And, and he says a lot of good shit too. He says a lot of good shit and a lot of crazy shit. But you know what? At the end of the day, he's authentic and that's what matters. Yeah, 100%. And, and I, I would say this, like if we ever had him, if you ever had him as a guest and he would, he would hear, I would say to him, but sometimes I wonder if he's dealing with like some sort of autism that he, <laughs> that, he that he like overcame yes. or something. Because he's so, I mean, I, the words that he gets are so fast and he's so brilliant, right. but it's also so, he's got such a quirkiness about it. Right. Speaking of that. So if you could point uh, our audience in, in any direction for some stuff that they could consume, maybe a book or a podcast or, um, you know, some of Tony stuff, whatever it may be like, where would you recommend you sending, uh, some of our audience to, to pick up on some of the important things that not only that you coach, uh, your clients with, but just that you've come to find, uh, valuable in your life. Is there anything in particular? Yeah, that's yeah. Well, look, if it's, um, I think if it's, if it's mindset and it's about truly growing as a person, um, and, and personal development, I think just take a look at Tony Robbins and, and anything that he has made or written or done. And, um, and once you get to his name, you'll find a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, if it's about maybe overcoming obstacles and what it takes to actually have a little heart and have some balls, maybe look at people like David Goggins um, and some maybe SEAL books. I think those are, are brilliant. Uh, I think if you're in... Uh, if you're if you're thinking that there's something wrong with alcoholism and addiction and substances, I think there's no better book. No matter what you think about rooms or steps, just to read the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, the first 164 pages, and just get a feel of what that looks like in people's lives. You don't have to agree with the fellowship. You don't have to agree with you know what's blossomed through that. But just to, I think that's really really good literature. Um, I definitely like the idea of, of picking up a book in some sort of health and wellness being it, if it's Tom Brady's TB12 method or Arnold Schwarzenegger's bodybuilding and encyclopedia, but something that really focuses on the body specifically, because that's one thing we all have and we can all agree on. Uh, and you know, this may sound really corny, but if you have the time and the patience and you can undo some of the things that you probably were taught as a child to look at the Bible with new fresh eyes and read it like you were never taught it, like there was never a rabbi or a nun or a priest that was pushing this down your throat, but just look at what, just look at the teachings and, and look at the teachings of Jesus himself 
and what he said specifically. You don't have to agree with everything the Apostle Paul said. You don't have to agree with everything Moses said or Abraham or Isaac, King David, or any of the apostles. But maybe just looking at those red words that Jesus said, uh, his teachings. Uh, and I think if you combine all of that stuff, you're pretty set. I love that. That's super valuable. So we're going to link to all that stuff definitely in uh, the show notes. I don't know if Justin's told you, but we, uh, we are planning on writing a book. Um, and so there's so much information that you've shared um, and so many great stories. And, uh, you know, first of all, I, for, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your time with us. Um, I don't know, Justin, do you have uh, any more? I'm, and I'm sure Justin takes notes religiously. And sometimes like we'll go through an interview and then he'll bring something back up from like an hour ago. And I'm like, oh man, that was such a good question. Uh, do you have any, do you have any good questions on in the, in the notepad? No, I actually think this is a great place to close. I, um, Adam, I, I love you like a brother and I can't wait to give you a hug. I hope it's not in, uh, in February, but if that's when it is, that's when it is. I hope it's much sooner than that. I know the hug will be, uh, that much thicker and richer and, and better. Uh, the next time I get to see you, I appreciate you spending your time. Please give your queen my love and, uh, thank Thanks you for that. sharing your wisdom and your energy and your just enthusiasm for life with, uh, with us in the audience. I appreciate you. Oh, dude, I love you. I love you, Bryce. You know, you, you now, you're now a brother. Likewise. Uh, I can't thank you guys enough for having me. If there's anything I can do to be of service, you know, just, I told you that privately. Uh, but honestly, if there's anything I could do to be of service to you too, or to help the mission and the cause, please, please ask. I'm an open book, you know, and I'll always do my very, very best to accommodate. Well, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. And, and I love you too. And, and thank you. Uh, real quick before we leave, where can people find out more about what you're doing? Um, find you online. I know you have a big platform. Um, where can people search for you and, and learn more about you? Yeah. So uh, basically it's my, I, I made it simple because I can confuse myself. It's Adam Javelin on Instagram, on Facebook. It's Adam Javelin on LinkedIn. Uh, the book, Lots of holic from the sick to sober Superman is you just could, you know, go on Amazon and say, you know, Adam Javelin. Um, but yeah, it, 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 even all of the hero stuff is under my name, you know, so I, I'm, I'm easy to find. I'm very accessible too. I like telling people that as well, you know, that, that you can be speaking with me and talking to me and I have a small team under me and we, we try to, to really be of service to everybody that we can. You're a bad motherfucker, Adam. I appreciate you. <laughs> thank you so much, brother. Oh, dude, thank you guys. Don't tell me that. I gotta start being the soft motherfucker, the sweet motherfucker. <laughs> don't, don't, don't tell me that stuff. I'll get back into the Rocky Balboa shit. Right. Thank you.